to just tell us what God's got for us today. Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. He's great. He's wonderful. He's our king. He's our counselor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you correcting your course? Where are you headed? I must see him. I must go by his word. I love this word. I knew when I came in the airport that my little briefcase was heavy and I told Sister Cole I said I don't know why I have to bring, bring my great big Bible she said well it's, yeah, you see it better but I never just put my Bible in my suitcase because I'm afraid it'll get lost this Bible has been with me physically in a lot of places. When she was uh, talking about the uh, hotel that I was staying in last night, and I said, anywhere is all right with me. I've been on the mission field 20 years. Anywhere is right. I've slept with this as my pillow many, many times. It has a lot of meaning. Sometimes I just like to take my Bible and love it. Because this is what's going to take me through. I see a lot of people out there shouting, not here, but shouting all these long testimonies. God's delivered me and what he's delivered me from. And now I'm witnessing. I still work in the nightclubs, but that's where God wants me to be so I can be a witness. That's not what this word says. This isn't my topic, but you remember the man who was at the marriage supper and he was eating? and he was fellowshipping, and he was having a good time, and eating from the king's table, which apparently meant there were a lot of blessings, and he was getting the same kind of food that everyone else was getting. There was no difference in the food. The table was set, and he was there. But when the king came, he wasn't ready. I want to be true blue, don't you? I want to live for God. I don't want to see how much I can get by with. I really don't. I want to go all the way with God. I love him. Don't you? I know you do. You're beautiful. I love you, God. 
And I want to piggyback on what Sister Johnson said. We pity our children so much because they're Pentecostal. You poor little thing, you can't go anywhere and you can't do anything like the rest of the kids. Listen, this is an honor. This is great. This is wonderful. Them to pray around the altar. Tell them when things aren't going well. Let them pray with you. Don't shelter them. Let them know what God does. So great. You may be seated. I'm really not a doomsday speaker. I really felt a lot of things on my heart last night. I really did. I know that a lot of you out there are hurting because you've come to me. Sister Cole, I want to tell you something. I can give you a little tip here and there, and so can she and your pastor's wife, and Nothing's going to be old-fashioned prayer and fasting. Asking, seeking, knocking. That's going to get the job done. God's still on the throne. Hey, he's still on the throne. And we can point to another church and say, we don't have to go through a priest. And I'm going to say that No, you don't have to go through anyone to get something from God in that sense. And there are times when you do need help. And there are times when you need to go to your pastor. There are times when we do need to bind together. But I'll tell you, the scripture also teaches us to go boldly to the throne of grace. Praise the Lord. We can get the counseling that we need. Hallelujah. We can get something in our minds to set us as to exactly what we're going to do. I love God. There's a lot of disorder out there. There's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of satanic worship. It's, uh, we were talking at the table last night, and I said, well, you know, where are the good, clean sinners? <laughs> There's any such thing. There's turmoil. There's... You know, I said a lot of the new people that you get in, you have to build character, just plain old character, before they can begin to grow. Because they don't know. They've grown up in a world that that everything goes, everything's loose, everything hangs out. And, And they really don't know what to do. But our God is able. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And God can use us. He's going to use us. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. In the Baton Rouge area uh, was a young woman who was adopted. Well, really, she was just a young girl, about 16 to 17, adopted. She and her friend decided that they wanted the adopted mother's Cadillac, so they killed her, uh, left her in a room, 
they decided to go to Houston and had a small accident. And um, anyway, who's the owner of the car and why you girls have it? And traced it back that, that they had killed for an automobile. Now, you know that years ago, that would have been sensational news. But now it's the norm. The Old Testament is given for our, and has been preserved for our learning. And most of the things that you find in the Old Testament, if we really study them, we can apply them today. Because they're not just there for history. And uh, we need to digest the word. Do you know what I mean, digest the word? That really means eat it. That means just like you ate your egg this morning or what, your donut. Uh, but it, you ate it, it went into your stomach, and in just a few moments, that sugar was going out and, and the orange juice and it was going into your bloodstream and all these different organs that we have and it becomes a part of you. The egg that you ate, where is part of it? Where's the protein part? Where's this part? Where's that part? It has gone into your body and it becomes part of your body. And that's the same way the word of God needs to be to us. We need to eat it and let it become a part of us. And don't say the church teaches it like this, but this is what I believe. This is what God expects. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We don't need legalism. We need to be separated by the Spirit of God. Because I want to be saved. The Shekinah glory cloud in the Old Testament is really what I want to talk about a little bit today. It really meant, the Hebrew word is Shekinah, and it really means that it's a cloud, but inside the cloud is the glory. That glory was the Spirit of God that man could not see. And uh, God wanted man to know that he was there with them in some visible form so that they would know that Moses was not just telling them a lot of things. You know, as you, we've studied in our Sunday school lessons not very long ago, but uh, on the day of, uh, of the giving of the law, there were external manifestations, weren't there? There was the cloud, there was the fire, there was the trembling of the, uh, the mountain, and then God spoke to Moses. And on the day of Pentecost, there were external manifestations. There was the fire that set upon each of them. They spoke in tongues and the sound of a rushing mighty wind. So God was very kind and long-suffering to let his people know when he was with them and how they were supposed to move. And he moved in this Shekinah glory cloud. And uh, the scripture teaches us as the children of Israel went into the wilderness, as you know, the cloud uh, was over them by day. It was a pillow. Uh, a pillow uh, denotes stability. It's there, right? A pillow in the church or a pillow in the, in the auditorium. It's there to hold up, to stabilize, to help. You can know it's there and the roof's not going to cave in. And I want you to know that Jesus Christ is here and the roof is not about to cave in on the church. It's going up. It's going through. I just want to be sure that I'm in it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've got to make sure that I'm in it. 
and this cloud moved over them by day and Numbers teaches us that um, at the commandment they journeyed. When the cloud moved, they moved. And I'm sorry, but I'm gonna have to piggyback on what you were saying, Sister Johnson, is just when, when God tells us to do something, we're not supposed to say, well, how's this gonna work out? We're supposed to do it. In Jesus' name, do it. There are times when you might feel foolish. I have gone to people, even when I was just 18 years old, and was not married, was just a young person in the church, and the altar call would be given, and I'd think, who can I help? God hadn't called me to preach. Who can I help? Somebody's got to be saved just like me. I'd say, oh, God, give me the right words. I've got to help somebody. You know, and on different occasions, I don't think that we ought to go twisting someone's arm and dragging them to the altar, but God will speak. And we better not let this element leave our apostolic churches. God can speak through us to speak to someone else. And many people have come to the altar simply because I was persistent. God loves us. He wants to help us. He wants to lead us on a daily basis. He wants to guide us. And in the Old Testament, at the commandment, they journeyed. Well, I feel like speaking in tongues, but I'm afraid I'll make a fool out of myself. I feel like going over there and praying for someone that's sick, but I feel like a fool. Now, I don't think you should grab the olive oil bottle and go around laying hands on everybody, but the scripture does say, these signs shall follow them that believe. There must be order in the church, so that's the pastor's job, but you can go around and pray, hallelujah, with that sister when she's kneeling down. We don't want this element to leave us. We don't want it to leave us. When God commands, we want to do. We don't want to think about, how's this going to work? Can I do it? No, you can't do a thing. I can't do a thing, but all things can be done through the Spirit of God. When you start thinking, well, I can't do it, and I'm not capable, you know what you're really, you're going on an ego trip. You're thinking everything depends on you. But it doesn't. You can't do it. That's right. But when the cloud moved, at the commandment of the Lord, they moved. And the scripture teaches us that this cloud he spread a cloud for covering. It was like a great big umbrella. They were in the hot desert, but God took care of them. Are you in parched, dry places today? God can help you. Don't know what to do? He's there. He's there for you. And then at night, as you know, they had the pillar of fire. And it stood between them at first and the enemy. It gave them light in the night for three million people plus. God was there. They didn't have to worry, did God leave them? Where is God? God, where are you? They knew he was there. 
You know he's here, don't you? Don't doubt him. Don't doubt him. He's here. It led them. It protected them. It covered them. It was the Shekinah glory cloud. And uh, Jesus Christ said, and when you see the Son of Man coming in the clouds, standing on the right-hand side, and when he said that, what did the high priest say? Blasphemy. Because Jesus Christ kept telling them that he was going to come back. And he said, when you see the Son of Man coming in the clouds, and this really meant that Jesus Christ was the God of the Old Testament and that he would come back to this earth in clouds. But it would be the Shekinah glory cloud. It wouldn't be an atmospheric cloud that was filled with rain or hail or, or black and gloomy, but it would be the Shekinah glory cloud because he is the God. Hallelujah. He is the King of kings. They knew who he was talking about. Well, really what I want to tell you is there was a time in Exodus, the 33rd chapter, and I'm going to just run through part of it for you, but if you want to make a note, it's Exodus, the 33rd chapter. In the 32nd chapter of Exodus, you know that Moses was talking to God and Aaron and the people began to think that they needed a God that they could see. They wanted to be like other people. I said, they wanted to be like other people. I said, they wanted to be like other people. You know, that's kind of in human nature to want to be like other people. And um, anyway, they... Uh, They decided they would build their own little camps out of gold. They're going to worship it. We can have a lot of adulterous things in our heart, a lot of little piddling things that we do. Thank you for your talk. A lot of little piddling things, but the only thing that's going to count when we stand before God, and he does have a book of remembrance according to Malachi, only the things we've done for Christ will last. Not how many diapers you, you bought. Not how many times you cleaned noses. But what we've done for Christ. Well, they made their little calf and they began to run around it. They were having their, themselves a time. But you notice the more they ran around it, the more naked they became. See, that all goes with it. When you little, let a little of idolatry is really anything that you put before God that you love before God. It can be a home. It can be an automobile. You might not pay your tithes so that you can buy a new car. I mean, it can be anything. It doesn't have to be a great big $300,000 house that you say it's an idol. It can be just a little old thing in our hearts. And the children of Israel built their little calf, and it began to move them away from God until the Scripture says they were naked and they danced before that thing. And so you know that um, 
they, Moses came down the mountain. He heard the racket. He cleared up the atmosphere. He told them what they had to do. And then God came on the scene and began to talk to Moses. And he said, look, he said, I said that I would go with you to Canaan land, to the promised land. He said, but I cannot go. He said, but since I promised it, my mercy will allow me to send an angel. And that angel's going to lead you, but I cannot lead you. Oh, they were going to miss that Shekinah glory cloud. They were going to miss that pillar of fire. They were going to miss that cloud that they saw in the day. Hey, what are we doing out here in the desert? Oh, there's the cloud. God, Jehovah, is here with us. And sometimes we need to remind ourselves, what are we doing in this wide, wide, dark world? We're going to be the light of this world. We're going to be a different people. We're called out people. Hallelujah. And we can feel the presence of God. They didn't want an angel to lead them. When you've had the real thing, <laughs> when you've had the real thing, you don't want to substitute. You know, Mary Magdalene, when she went to see about Jesus Christ, when he was in the tomb, the scripture says that, that she went and she looked. She went closer and she stooped to see if she could see her master. And then she went down in there and it said, and, and then, and she saw two angels. But she didn't say, wow, I saw an angel. Woo. I'm gonna forget about the Lord. I saw an angel. I saw, no. She didn't let seeing an angel deter her because she had seen the master and she wasn't going to be satisfied with anything else. And these people in the, in the wilderness land, they had seen the Shekinah glory, cloud of God, a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day, and they knew it was God with them, and they were not satisfied with an angel. They wanted to see that Shekinah glory. And so Moses talked to God. And God told Moses, he said, um, tell them they're stiff-necked people and I will come in the midst of them in a moment and consume them. <laughs> God was angry. I'm tell you, God's love goes a long, long ways. But I want you to do this for me. Think of God's love as a freight train. But a freight train has to have tracks. And a freight train, I don't care how good it is, it's got to have track. And God's holiness is the track that the freight train moves on. God will never cover sin with his love. When we sin, the first thing that comes up it's holiness. God doesn't like it. When you sin, you're defying God. It's like you putting your fist in God's face saying, I'll do what I want to do. That's what sin is. And so God's holiness will rise up 
And then his love will come and cause us to repent. But if we don't repent, God's holiness stands against our unrighteousness. So don't you think that God's love is going to cover unrepented sins? It's not going to do it. And so they were there. And God said, therefore now put off thine ornaments from thee that I may know what to do with you. In other words, strip yourselves of every ungodly thing so I'll know what to do with you. And I'm not talking today about earrings and, and bracelets and all that stuff. We know, we know what to do. But I'm telling you, there's some hidden things in our heart that we need to strip ourselves of. Oh, God. Oh, God, help us to strip ourselves. I'm consumed with the thought of materialism is grasping us like it has never grasped us before. And I'll tell you women, if you don't have to work, don't work just to get an extra car. Don't work just to get something uh, two, uh, two microwaves. Don't work, oh, I... We gotta save our kids. Who's gonna be there when they come home from school with an extra pencil that you didn't buy? You're supposed to train them up in the way that they should go. Training them up is not just bringing them to church. It's training them, where did you get that pencil? Why did you do this? You're supposed to be home at 4 o'clock. Where were you? But if they're latchkey kids, then you don't know. And I'm not condemning anyone who works. Only if you don't have to. When I was a missionary in Korea, when we first went over there, the foreign missions department did not have money to rent us a house. We had a home, we sold it. Uh, we were in our early 30s and we went to Korea and uh, we had a home and we sold our home and, and we, we, we built a little house in Korea. They will not allow you to have your name, uh, you to possess any property, so we put it in someone else's name for a while until that someone else uh, immigrated to America and. Uh, then we didn't, have any, we didn't want to put it in anyone else's name. And then the only way that I could buy, that we could buy a building for a Bible school was for me to live in a very small apartment above the Bible school. The only way I could get to the Bible school when it snowed was to almost climb up the hill by foot. But I wanted a Bible school. It was just a little old dinky apartment. It was clean. Just a little small. But would you know I've had people that came and said, oh, can't you get something better than this? <laughs> I wanted to say, you haven't seen the Shekinah yet.
I want a Bible school that means more to me than a house. I've got to train these young people to be preachers. You see, sometimes we're not on the same frequency. And I would say that the majority of the people who came to Korea were to visit or to do different things were people who, who really loved God, but they were not on the same frequency. And I'm not saying that I'm holier than they are. I'm just saying sometimes we can get so caught up in materialism. We got to let it go. Let it go in Jesus' name. It becomes an idolatry to us. Before I went to Korea, it was just a matter of taking out the checkbook and writing the check. My husband was an accountant, a graduate of college, worked for Dow Chemical Company. It was just a matter of writing the check out for whatever reasonably that I wanted. But after we went to Korea, that was a long before PIM. When we first went to Korea, especially Calvary Tabernacle used to send us clothing. I had someone rip those out, turn the material. You know, we made, remade clothes. Do, yes, I like nice clothes. I'm not dumb. I might look like it, duh, but I'm not. I like a nice house. I like for it to be decorated nicely. But this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. You say, that's because you were missionaries. No, no, no. It shouldn't, this world should not get a hold of our hearts. We need to see the Shekinah glory. The children of Israel, how many there were? Three million plus. God said, strip off your ornaments so I'll know what to do with you. As you know, they did that. And it came to pass. There was a little tabernacle, not the tabernacle, but a little tabernacle in the wilderness that Moses had set up. And uh, the scripture says, and Moses went out unto the tabernacle that all the people rose up and stood every man at his tent door. They were in their tents, going to see what God was going to do with them. They stood, every man, at their tent door, and they watched as Moses got closer and closer to that tabernacle. And if Moses was like us, like we want to be, I'm sure that all the time, he was approaching that tabernacle. He was saying, show me thy glory. Show me thy glory. Show me that glory cloud. Show me that glory. How many times have you prayed like that? I need a miracle. Oh God, I need a miracle. I need you to help me. I need you to do something. Moses was approaching that tabernacle and the people all stood in the doors of their tent and I'm sure the heartthrob was, oh God, show us your glory. We don't want to see angels. We want to see your Shekinah glory. Show us that glory. 
And it came to pass as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle. And all the people rose and worshiped God. Hallelujah. Show us your glory, God. Give me another glimpse of glory. I got to see that glory. I got to see that glory. A young lady came to me last night saying, I want my first love. I want what I had the night I received the Holy Ghost, in other words. Do you still have it? Or have you become sophisticated? we have matured we're mature Christians I would that God would take us and shake us make our hair come streaming down press fire do whatever I want to see the glory he had a motto want the glory I want to see 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 the glory. I'm not satisfied with an angel. I'm not satisfied with anything else except the glory. I've got to see the glory. Let the glory Let the glory come down in my life. When you first received the Holy Ghost, you could run through a troop and jump over a wall. Hallelujah! I want that glory. Got to have it. There's nothing worse than a dead Pentecostal church. We've got to have the glory. The glory. The glory. I want to see the glory. I want to see the glory. I want the real thing. I've tasted the real thing. I've got to keep it.
Yes, Lord. Take the starch out of me, God. I'm a tongue-talking, crying, shouting Pentecostal. I gotta feel the presence of God. This is real. what when Moses began to talk to God he said my presence will go with you I'll give you rest for wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight is it not in thou goest if it, it is not that thou goest with us so shall we be separated, I and my people, from all the people that are upon the face of this earth. You want the Shekinah glory? You gotta be separated. You got to live a right life. It's not a pick and choose situation. It's from everything from stealing time at the office So a man's going to pay you $15 an hour at your office and you're going to spend three hours a day on the telephone? But when he's there, you work. But when he's not there, you don't work. You're stealing it. You're going to take all the envelopes from the office? You're going to take their stamps? Don't tell me I'm off. Oh, this is Georgia. Excuse me. We're people, people, and the devil wants your soul. He's after you in the little things and in the big things. And then there came a time, as you know, that, um, you know, it was time for uh, them to go into Jericho. You know how they took the ark of the covenant which signified the glory of God and they went in the walls fell down victory victory and then it was time uh, they had won so many victories so they had it made you know you don't take retirement in your salvation this is a work until you against the devil until you hear the pearly gates click behind you you have to work at it. And uh, 
the Israelites thought they had a, you know, a coupon on God. They thought they had a claim on God. Well, you do as long as you're doing what God wants you to do. Yeah. And uh, finally, they decided they were going to attack the Philistines. Now, this is what we're going to do, boys. We're going to go out there and attack the Philistines, and we're going to win because we've won here, 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 and let's go in and get it. This land is ours. So they made their little arrangements. They planned their attack on the Philistines, and they went in, and guess what? They began to lose. And then somebody said, yeah, we forgot the ark. How about that? They were so great in their own strength until they forgot the presence of God. You can run off a donut all day long, but it's going to catch up with you, right? It did. It just did. And then they decided we need the ark of God. So they sent some people back to get the ark of God. You know, we get in some of the most stupid mistakes because we've forgotten the presence of God and we didn't seek God in the first place. They ran and got the ark of God and they brought it in and this is, this is just a little magic capsule. It's going to work. I tell you, you don't turn God on and off like a faucet. And they thought it was going to work. And so uh, before you know it, the Philistines captured the ark. They went to tell their leader, Eli. Eli fell over, died, and Eli's sons were killed. And so the ark was gone. The leader was gone. The successors were gone. And there the Israelites were. You know, I, I don't have time to go into it, but you know how it stayed with the Philistines. It was the, the sign of victory. They wanted that sign of victory. Hey, we captured their God. It stayed there. But you know, all of the problems that it caused, it caused boils and it caused their idol to topple over. It caused them all kind of problems until finally after about seven months, they didn't want it anymore. I tell you, the world doesn't know what to do with what we've got. And a lot of people that receive in the Holy Ghost the Holy Ghost is to lead and guide into all truth. But when they don't accept the truth, they go into delusion and they're still shouting and they're still having their services, but they want to throw the ark out. Because the ark carries more than just the presence of God. It carries the word. It stayed, you know, with the Israelites for a while, and they were blessed, and David decided he would go get it, and, and uh, he was not successful, and then it began to boil up in David's heart. I've got to have that ark. I've got to have that ark. That's the centerpiece. That's the core. That's it. You can buy your houses. I have a house. There's nothing wrong with a house. You can buy your cars. I have a car. Somewhere down the road, when they wheel you into an operating room, or when you're on your bed drawing your last breath, 
you're going to realize it's really not important. I've been there. I've never been reluctant to give God anything I can't take with me anyway. That's just plain common sense. There are no pockets in shrouds. You're not going to take anything with you. David wanted that ark. He wanted it badly. He went out. He took his men with him. What did they do? They shouted. He didn't even have the Holy Ghost. He played his trumpet. He was the king. He took off his priestly robe. Maybe some of his people didn't even recognize who he, he was. It doesn't matter who you are. Sister Johnson picking back at a certain woman. It doesn't matter who you are. How much money you have. You need to shout. I'm not saying run the aisles. If you're a duck quack, if you're an eagle fly, you do your thing. I'm not going to tell you to jump up and, and grab the chandeliers. I'm just saying, worship. Don't sit like a bump on a log. Worship, worship, worship. I want the glory. David wanted the glory. Take off my priestly robes. Take off my kingly robes. I want the glory. Give me my trumpet. Give me my trumpet. I want the glory. He shouted, hallelujah, and they played the tambourines. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want the glory. I want the glory. You know, even his wife rebuked him. You'll always have those people. Job had one. David had brothers that made fun of him. Give me a break. That's not new, new, new news. You'll always have people against you. If she knew what she looked like dancing like that, she wouldn't do that. I want the glory. I want the glory. I want it to be in decency and order, but I want the glory. I want it. I gotta have it. I gotta have it. You know what happened when Solomon built the temple? He went in to dedicate the temple, right? great big magnificent temple he went to dedicate it but when he got there I don't know what he was doing raising his hands or whatever bowing but when he was in there that Shekinah glory filled the temple until he had to back out back out back out and all of the glory of God filled the temple
Can you still run through a troop and jump over a wall? Do you still feel like speaking in tongues like you did on the day, the day you received the Holy Ghost? Do you still want to go tell your friend and your cousin and your aunt and your uncle, uh, you know, is that still there? Do you feel like God can do anything? God's great. God can do anything. Do you feel like that or do you feel like... You've been taking spiritual psychology 202. I don't think God can. Speaking in tongues is a great miracle. How many of you have spoken in tongues? That's a miracle happened to you. Don't say you never saw a miracle. Just believe him for a little bit more and he'll give you more miracles. I want to be like Moses. I want to be like the Hebrew children. I want to be like David. I want the glory. I'll not take a substitute. Now, I believe that angels can appear to us. I'm not against that. I just was never fortunate enough one to have one appear to me. But that's great. I believe they can and I believe they do. But when I need the glory, don't substitute an angel for me. I have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I've got to feel the presence of God. I've got to have it straight from the throne. I teach a course on angelology. I know what angels do. I know how God sent an angel to Cornelius. I know how God sent an angel to, to uh, Peter. I know uh, how God uh, whisked Philip away by an angel. I know all these things. And I know that angels are a messenger from God to me. They're ministering angels to us. But when I need God, I'm on his glory. Come on, be like a Mary. I'm looking, I'm stooping, I'm searching. I saw an angel. I'm not going to bother. I want to see Jesus. Where have you put Jesus? Hallelujah, I've got to see the glory. I'm not going to hold you any much longer, but I remember my son David went to Bulgaria. I think it was last year was his first time. It's a long story, but... Someone read his book, and uh, they translated it, and it was uh, sent into Bulgaria, page by page. Uh, it could not go in ordinary mail. It's a tight communist country. And uh, they were going in. And he also had the Oneness of God book that he wanted to bring in. And uh, they really didn't know how they could sneak this Oneness of God book in. So they decided if they put it in their suitcases that uh, it would... Uh, if they found it, they would say they were concealing it. And so my daughter-in-law, Connie, had a gift that she was bringing, a Bulgarian pastor's wife, and uh, she wrapped it and put it on the dashboard of the car. And under the gift, they put the book that was translated, The Oneness of God. They got to customs, and uh, customs examined them a little bit, and then something happened, and they, the main inspector said, bring that van over, and they put it on a rack, and they unscrewed everything that could be unscrewed on that van. They looked in it uh, to see if anything was hidden. Anybody was hidden. They just really gave it uh, a going over. 
And uh, finally, they, they couldn't find anything. And uh, the man came back underneath the, the car and everything, and the man came back, and he was looking inside. And uh, he just uh, looked at the gift. He, he saw uh, there was a gift there. He took it. He opened it. He unwrapped it. And uh, he smiled. It was a scarf. And then he took it and wrapped it, kind of wrapped it back, and put it right on top of the manuscript. They left them in the inspection station about 15 minutes, and they were so excited they didn't know what to do. But one of them said, they're waiting to see what we're going to talk about. No one said anything. Finally, the men came and said, you may go. They went on into Bulgaria, and on their way, they started shouting because of the glory of God. You want a miracle? The miracles are still happening. You want restoration? I'll tell you, it's happening now. Just believe him in your life in Jesus' name. I can tell you miracle after miracle that are happening. When he got into Bulgaria, before he got there, they said any place they had church, they'd burn the buildings down. They preached, they worshiped one gypsy lady. Now, you know what gypsies, they like a lot of makeup, they like a lot of jewelry, right? Their bank is on them. I mean, they're traveling people. And, uh, she got up, she received the baptism of the Holy Ghost in Bulgaria. She got up and testified and said, God said to me to take off all of my jewelry and makeup and I have done it. So don't go tiptoeing through the roses when you talk about taking off jewelry and makeup. You're talking about restoration. God's doing it. You talk about miracles. They're here. But I want to see more of the glory in my life for myself. Heard in closing, we were in Korea. We had a big meeting. We had a lot of people who came over. We passed out tracts. The Buddhists were against us. They were going to burn down all of our churches. They were going to plant bombs. They were going to fight us. They were going to do everything. My husband was called up to the Minister of Cultural Affairs and uh, told that we'd probably have to leave the country. And he was raked over the coals and et cetera, C-O-A-L-S, and et cetera. And uh, uh, anyway, we began to pray. Oh, God. Oh, God, help us. Oh, God, take care of this. And this is, I want to be a little slow here. But at that time, there was a big parade. There was a big meeting. The minister of affairs was the officer who was in charge of it was the president's wife's brother. They were breathing down our necks. We didn't know what was going to happen. 
we begin to pray, God, show us your glory. God, show us your glory. You could lead the Israelites through the Red Sea. You can lead us through this. God, show us the glory. I'm sad to say this. That very day, the president's wife was shot and killed. Everything was about her. They forgot all about us. That was the end. God spared his church. I'm saying God is still in control. The, the spotlight was taken off of us because calamity had fallen their nation. I want to be on God's side. Ladies, stand with me. Don't trade what you've got. <laughs> this is so precious. I can't trade it. I want the glory. Would you let that pound in your heart? These signs shall follow them that believe. We point to the unbelieving world and say, I have spoken in tongues because that is the initial sign of the Holy Ghost. We should say, these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall lay hands on the sick. Show me thy glory. Do you want the glory of God? Yes. God, show me your glory. Show me your glory. I've got the heart of David, God. Show me your glory. I've got to have your glory. I've got to have your glory. I've got to have what I had the day I received the Holy Ghost. When was it you felt the closest to God? I've got to have that glory. I've got to keep that glory. I can't let the things of this world dim out. My God, I want us to all stand in the door of our tent right now and close our eyes and say, God, Send me your glory right now in Jesus' name. I want to see your glory. I want to speak in tongues. I want to shout. I want to have old-fashioned Pentecost. I want to live it. I want to go to my neighbor. I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to be intimidated. I want to live this. I want an apostolic revival in my church in Jesus' name. Oh, let that glory refill this place. Oh, let that glory 